This episode on Strangers Fiction, I'm interviewing Summer about her new game, Picking Up the Pieces. Hi. Hi. Uh, yeah, I, I am Summer. I use she, her pronouns. I'm very excited to be talking about my game with you. Awesome. Uh, I'm Cassidy. For those who don't know, who have only listened to this episode of the podcast, I also <laughs> use she and her pronouns. I was put into contact with you through, i guessing, a mutual acquaintance, uh, Sarah mm-hmm. McCostumes. Mm-hmm. And uh, you were hoping for people who'd like to test out your game. Yeah, I... Um... Basically, I have only released a few games over the past year, and uh, this was this is probably the one that I'm the most proud of. And so, uh, I did a little bit of playtesting uh, just to kind of help me as I was refining the game. And then, uh, as soon as I had released it, I was really interested in getting a bunch of different people to kind of because uh, it, it, it's a very different experience to most. Uh, TTRPGs being that it is a very intimate game, but it's also a two-player game. Um, And so I kind of just put out a call. I was really interested in seeing kind of different people with different backgrounds, experiences playing this game. Um, And I love listening to other people play my game. It it kind of teaches me a lot um, about, you know, how other people interpret my writing, right? Because I can have every intent for how I want it to kind of come across, but actually getting to see that in play is always really exciting for me. So I was really interested in having other people put their hands on it. And I had a, a great outpouring of people getting in contact with me, but yeah, I'm really excited to to talk about it with you. Awesome. Um, so I'm going to, when I've gone back and finished editing this, mm-hmm. uh, for all y'all listening, uh, I'm going to put uh, content warnings, trigger warnings in the description, just in case we cover anything that might be upsetting to people. And can you just tell me some basics about picking up the pieces? Yeah, of course. Uh, so picking up pieces, like I said, is a two-player game. Um, a year ago, I wrote a game called Knowing You, which is an, another two-player game that is about um, exploring a broken relationship, broken past the point of reconciliation, um, a romantic relationship. And you start with the last day that you ever saw each other, and you work back in time through key moments of your relationship back to the day that you first met. Uh, so it's a really bittersweet, hard game about a breakup and then learning how you fell in love, um, but also seeing how you fell apart. And it's... it's um. It's a really tough game. It's a it's a prompt-based game, so there's no dice rolling or anything like that. It's just asking, sitting down with a partner and asking honest questions back and forth to uncover um, you know, these pieces of your relationship and and kind of how you fell apart. And um I was really happy with that game. It was my first game that I ever released and uh but, you know, I was coming up on the year anniversary of that game and I had tried a, a couple of other games that were a, a little bit more lighthearted or a little bit more, um, you know, for, for multiple players, world building and uh, relationship building. But I really kind of kept coming back to what I love most about TTRPGs, which is exploring those really um, crucial relationships, uh, you know, especially like um, exploring this one other person in your life who's really important to you and, and those kind of tight bonds that we form 
Um, and so I decided to write a follow-up to uh, that game, and that became Picking Up the Pieces. So Picking Up the Pieces begins by telling you that you were sitting down with a person who hurt you, and you hurt them too. Um, you're going to sit down and talk about a relationship that you thought was broken beyond reconciliation. So kind of alluding back to my my first game, but this is the two of you coming together to sit down and lay it all on the line, tell each other exactly how you were hurt by the other person, uh, talk out those moments, and then figure out if there's anything that you can do to fix it. Um, sometimes there are things that you can do to fix it. Sometimes there aren't. And at the end of the game, uh, you decide if you want to pursue a relationship with that person. Uh, it's a little different picking up the pieces because it can be any type of relationship, not necessarily romantic, like knowing you. Uh, it can be, you know, a parent, a parent and child, siblings, exes, friends, um, any type of relationship that you have that's um one where you loved the other person and they loved you too. Uh, and yeah, it's it's also, it's in some ways harder than uh, knowing you because you go into knowing you, knowing exactly how it turns out. You know that you break up and you never see each other again. Uh, but in picking up the pieces, you kind of lay your heart on the line and you say, this is what you did and this is how I think we can fix it. And the other person has to say, I want to fix it or I don't. And you together decide what you want and then you can part ways or pursue a relationship again um, after getting all of this like hurt on the table. So it's a very different experience, but uh, the the times that I've played it, it's been very rewarding uh, as well. Yeah. Awesome. Um, How much do you see uh, picking up the pieces as like a spiritual successor to knowing you? Like, do they inherently fit together as like uh, first story and the sequel? I think that they do fit together really well because obviously if you're interested in exploring romantic relationships and kind of how those fall apart and come back together as we see in our own lives and in lives of friends, people break up and then spend some time apart and try and work things out. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, they go together really well. So knowing you is discovering exactly how you hurt each other and then picking up the pieces is digging into those moments even deeper. I think knowing you in some ways kind of only scratches the surface um, of the, cause you're, you're time skipping. You have the, the day you met your first date, your first fight moving in together. You have like these key moments, but you don't have the day to day, like, um, like the heartbeat of the relationship and picking up the pieces gives you the opportunity to explore that on a bit of a deeper level. So I think that, um, and I've kind of had uh, multiple people say to me after knowing you, uh, that they wanted to try and make those relationships work. And that's kind of the nature of the game. Uh, cause you start with them hurting you, but you go back and find out how you fell in love. And so I think there's been, and in one of my own experiences, I played with a friend and he was like, I can't let them not be together. And so we ended up playing Starcrossed, um, if you're familiar with that game by Alex Roberts, um, to see if they could, you know, kind of come back together to to wrap up that story. Um, because if you don't like sad endings, you're not going to like knowing you. Um, but Picking Up the Pieces is a game that is written with that intention of coming finding this broken relationship and trying to, at the very least, 
air your grievances, at the very least have an honest conversation with the person who hurt you and who you hurt. Um, So I highly recommend playing them one after the other, knowing you first and then picking up the pieces, obviously with time for recovery in the middle because they can get really rough. (laughs) Yeah, they just from like the preview page on itch.io, it seems Mm. like it's a very heavy game. Mm, Yeah, it definitely is. I mean... One of my favorite things about um, about writing games is giving people the creative license to build this relationship together. And both of these uh, games encourage you to put words in the other person's mouth um, to say, this is what you said to me. This is what you did to me. And the other person to ac- acknowledge that that's how they made that person feel. Um, and that's really tough for some people, you know, uh, a lot of games, we get this this full agency over our character, but knowing you and picking up the pieces, you have to hand agency of your character over to your partner, which is why I recommend playing these games with people that you implicitly trust um, and are comfortable exploring those moments with. Uh, they both have safety tools baked into the games, um, especially picking up the pieces um, because you are doing a lot of you know, he said, she said kind of thing in that game. Um, and there are also mechanics to interrupt your partner. And in fact, you score your partner on how well they listened to you. Um, whether or not you use those scores at the end of the game is up to you, which is one of my personal favorite parts of the game. Um, you have the option to roll to see how things turn out at the end, or you can just decide if you know what you want. Um, but there is that option to kind of let fate um, control the the outcome for your character. Uh, but yeah, it can be a very, very heavy game. I played it with my best friend a few weeks back and we both cried. I mean, it's very heavy. Hmm, yeah. So what, you don't have to answer this, but can you tell us anything about your inspiration behind uh, both knowing you and picking up the pieces? Yeah, absolutely. So... <laughs> I have been in a relationship with my husband. Uh, We've known each other almost a decade. We've been together for seven years um, and married for nearly three. And uh, I am very far removed from my last breakup. (laughs) Uh, So I'm, I'm not really sure. I woke up one morning and I just had this idea for a game that explored um, a relationship that was over. And um, I personally love, um, like I said previously, relationships, especially romantic relationships, are some of my favorite parts of TTRPGs. And I did like a little mini thread about this, about how much I love falling in love. And um, I like games that I like games because they give me the opportunity to explore some of my personal life, like favorite memories. And so, but I also kind of love the, I love heartbreaker story too, right? I love a sad ending. I love it when they don't end up together. And I wanted a game for knowing you that was about that. That was a relationship that you really want to work and it just doesn't. You're just not right for each other. And it's bittersweet and disappointing in a lot of ways, but you kind of look back on it and say, you know, the last question of knowing you was, 
do you regret knowing me? And you ask each other that question at the end and you answer it as honestly as you can. And, you know, sometimes the answer is, yeah, I do regret knowing you. And then other times it's, I don't regret a second. Um, so I love kind of digging into that and on it, like, I wish there was more that inspired me. It was literally, I just woke up and was like, I want to write this game. And then, um, I've been doing this uh, show on Twitch lately called Drinks and Design, where I have designers come on and we do like a speed round of designing a game together. We design at least the bones of a game within an hour. And um, I had been really inspired by talking to all these designers and it kind of just got like the creative juices flowing. And I was thinking back to all of my friends who've been like, (laughs) who don't like sad endings as much as I do. And who are like, I really want these people to have a chance to work it out. And so I thought, well, it's been a year. Maybe it's time to write a game where you can potentially fix that relationship that you wanted to fix, that knowing you, um, you know, previously did not give you the opportunity to. Uh, Yeah, I guess the answer is this. I really love sad. (laughs) I really love sad relationships and like that kind of like mundane tragedy of losing someone you love, not to like death or like anything like that, but just, it just doesn't work out and you have to kind of part ways. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm very inspired by sad love stories. (laughs) Yeah. There's, there's a lot to be said about the catharsis of like Mm. sad stories. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I also have some questions from friend of the show, Eric. And Mm -hmm. he's got a question. Uh, When you have an idea for a game, uh, such as when you're doing drinks and design or when you were writing, knowing you and picking up the pieces, Mm -hmm. do you start with the mechanics of the system or the desired effect of the game? For me, it's definitely tone. I feel like uh, I have to know what I want the game to feel like before I can decide what mechanics I'm going to use. For... Knowing you, I I felt pretty confidently that I wanted it to be um, not there. I didn't want there to be any crunch. There's no like making characters. There's no character card. There's just this list of questions that you sit down and answer. And the mechanic is conversation. Uh, And picking up the pieces, I I thought of the title for that first. Um, And I thought of like the premise for the game, you're sitting with somebody and you are are picking up the pieces. And that was so just the idea of that was so evocative for me. I was like, I have to, I have to use that in the mechanics somehow. And so picking up the pieces is you write uh, the pieces of yourself that were broken um, when your relationship kind of came to a close and you write them on note cards and you lay them between you and your partner. And then one by one, you pick those pieces up. And you address them individually and then you set them to the side. Um, so for me, it's definitely it's definitely tone. It's definitely context. Um, I'm, I'm familiar with so many different types of mechanics and kind of how those can better support a story. Um, but most of my games and probably always will be very uh, role play uh, narrative forward games rather than like crunch uh so for me it's always the most important thing is just finding the tone and then figuring out how to support that mechanically yeah yeah i've always well not always but i've found that like narrative heavy and 
specifically roleplay heavy games are a lot mm. more satisfying than like Dungeons and Dragons or yeah. Pathfinder. Just because like you can really get into a character mm-hmm. more. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, that's that's kind of I've been moving away from crunchy games. I once I got into PBTA games, I was like I don't think I can play anything else just because uh, the the crunch was so low. And uh, if you pick a playbook that you're in love with, um, then the mechanics are really going to support you. And I love things like intimacy moves and sex moves like in Monster Hearts 2 and things that kind of support narrative um, and reward you for role play, right? Um, I was actually just looking into uh, Quest, which is an an adventure game that me and my home group are using to replace D&D right now. And they have um, a mechanic that you reward each other for good role play. And, but it has a physical, like a mechanical effect in the game. And I just love stuff like that. I love mechanics that support really getting into character and creating these like fulfilling stories. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not sure if you're a fan of Noelle Stevenson's she reboot, but it recently ended. It's yes. pretty big. Uh, and the emotional conflict of two of the main characters was a key running theme throughout the series. And how that relationship developed was like a big thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, how would you say that pop culture influenced your creation of this game in particular? Oh my gosh. Well, I feel... That this is a hard question. This is a great question, but it's definitely hard. Well, thank you. I I feel that I don't I can't actually think of a movie or um or like book that I've read recently where I felt totally satisfied with um the way that two previously parted characters, so people who have called it quits, who've said we're not friends, we're not lovers, we're not anything anymore, have in a healthy way come back together <laughs> um, and have had like a satisfying relationship. I kind of, in in most media, I find myself saying this is, and this is like a personal thing in my life that if you break up, why would you get back together? Um, just because, especially if no time has passed, I'm not, I'm not dissing anybody who gets back together with their X after a period of time. I know that it happens, but for me, I've, I haven't seen it represented in a way that I felt satisfied. Um, and I, there are definitely aspects that I, that I wanted to explore with picking up the pieces of like what, not saying that picking up the pieces encourages necessarily a healthy conversation. In fact, you could have a very unhealthy conversation um, with that game. But I did want there to be some like catharsis there of of actually like laying it all on the line. Um, so yeah, I I think I would like to see. Ideally, I would like to see more of that, uh, more of these relationships because relationships are so so complicated, um, and it's hard to it's hard to kind of encompass what every different relationship would look like within a, the context of one movie or a game. Right. Um, but I would love to see more of like dealing with the hurt and like fully having it out and then figuring out how are we going to make this work or making the often healthier decision and saying we should not get back into this. Like we need to go our separate ways 
for good. Um, so yeah, maybe it's, maybe these games were kind of inspired by a desire to see more of that. I'm sure there are movies uh, that do it really well. Um, but yeah, I would love to see more of those kind of complicated relationships. Um, yeah. yeah, you're completely right. I just off the top of my head, can't think of a single movie or franchise where the people who broke up don't get back together. <laughs> just like, uh, society is really entrenched towards just settling forgive- down. Yeah. I mean, I, complacency or, you know, comf- just being like comfortable with that person. But obviously those aren't reasons to get back together, right? And I think that's something that I really like about picking up the pieces is that the game asks you to be really honest, really honest with each other and say exactly how they hurt you and and why. And the game encourages you to decide if that person's good for you or not. And you can have difference of opinions. Um, and one of you could want to part ways and the other one of you might try and want to make things work. Um, but it's about, you know, at least beginning that conversation to see if you're even on the same page. Yeah. So uh, knowing that knowing you uh, always ended with the characters falling out. Mm-hmm. Um, what... Uh, so choosing to allow the players in this game to choose the end of their relationship mm-hmm. is a pretty courageous move and, in my opinion, quite a mature one. But outside of this, like, get back together, don't back together, what sort of endings outside of that binary do you think players might encounter? Well, I think that pretty much... So there are two ending options in picking up the pieces. Ending option one um you total your scores that you've been giving each other throughout the game. So um, essentially each one of you should have a score between negative three and three or between negative five and five um, by the end of the game, depending on the length of the game you want to play. And um, ending option one to ask you to total your score and then you roll 2d6 plus that number. So if you've had, if you've been really um, aggressive, if you've interrupted them, if you've been, um, you know, if you've been kind of not uh, listening to their needs or unwilling to compromise, then maybe your partner has rated you really low. So you're rolling 2d6 minus three potentially. Um, and then on the other hand, you might have been a really, really receptive, um, really open, given them hope that things might work out. Um, and you could end up with a score of three or anywhere in between, right? Um, because each piece is going to warrant different reactions, especially given that your partner has their can say things about you that you might f- completely disagree with. Um, and um, you roll the dice and then uh, on a six or less, you get the quote unquote bad ending. I don't think it's a bad ending at all. It just means. Um, just the you, breakup ending. Exactly. It's, it's not even, yeah, it's just, it's better that we go our separate ways and you are asked to say how the relationship changed you uh, for the worse or for the better. Um, and then on a, on a seven to nine, um, you ask them for space. You might want to work things out, but for right now you kind of need some distance. And then on a 10 plus you, you know that you want to be with this person and you're going to try and make it work. Now, considering you both roll, one of you could get a six, one of you could get a 10. Um, meaning that one person really wants to put in the work and one of you thinks that it's best you go your separate ways forever. And so any of those, 
um, combos uh, are options if you go with ending one, um, which kind of it it's a resolution and it's not because uh, you don't see where that relationship goes past this moment. You have this conversation. You you decide whether by uh, by dice or by just you know talking it out. You decide what you want, and um, but we don't see where the relationship goes from there. Um, it's left very open ended, and you are the game encourages you to epilogue if you want to. Um, but I think that this is a great picking up the pieces is a, is a great way to figure out backstory for characters going into new campaigns. Um, especially if you want to play exes or, or you know, rivals or something like that. I think it can be it could be a really fun uh, way to explore character history. Um, so that's definitely on the table. But then obviously, <laughs> if you're picking um, this the latter option, uh, ending option two, it just says, you know what you want, tell your partner what you need, and they'll tell you what they need. And you talk it out and you decide together what you want to do. Um, and both partners have to decide unanimously if they want to go with option one or option two. Um, so you can, you can get everything in between, uh, with those two options. Um, but I would say, I would say probably the majority of people that I've heard play want it to work out, (laughs) which, you know, kind of goes back to the media that we see is like, you fall in love with them as a couple and whether they're good for each other or not, a lot of people really want to make it work. They want to try again. Um, and so that's really what I've seen from the majority of uh, players and play testers. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, 2d6 as an ending, that's mm. while not unrealistic to the sheer chance of real life what Mm -hmm. made you decide to use that as a mechanic and possibly a frustrating mechanic in the like the most heightened emotional part of play so this was i don't want to say it was a prank but uh it was it was kind of a way for to make sure that the people who were playing the game are really invested in listening to each other because they know that they're going to be scored so if they want to do well, they have to really actively and like that's kind of on a meta level what we're doing when we have these conversations. You're like ranking the other person of how good was that response? Are they actually listening to me? Um, and it's uh, it's kind of meta making them pay attention to each other. And you go the whole game. The game does not tell you that the score doesn't matter till the end, till the very, very end. Um, so you are invested in the score, you're invested in scoring your partner, and then you hit the end and you're like, wow, I actually don't even need the score. (laughs) Um, so I wanted there to be this, not, uh, I think looming sense of dread is probably too, uh, too extreme, but I wanted there to be that pressure, um, the whole time you're playing the game, knowing that this person is going to score you depending on your answers and not that that should, um, discourage you from being honest. It should, if anything, you know, I like to lean into that scoring, um, of like, do I agree with them? Am I willing to like take a negative one if I'm interrupting them all the time because I I fully disagree with what they're saying or they're saying I did this and I don't think I did. Um, and I like having that kind of added pressure. Um, and then you read through that ending and then you're like, well, shoot, now we've got to roll the die. And then you see ending option two and you're like, so this you're telling, what you're telling me is I didn't actually need the scores the whole time. 
Um, but yeah, I just really liked the idea of, um, being able to, to also put it on the line. One of my friends who was an editor kind of suggested, cause I had it just as, you know, if you don't know what you want, you can roll the die. Like if you end the conversation, you're like, well, I could go either way. But then, um, my friend Matias pointed out kindly that you also might just like want to throw it to chance, you know? Like no matter how well the conversation went, you might like fate might have something else in store for your characters than you do. Um, And the last time I played, that's kind of how we felt at the end. We were like, let's just roll the die. Let's see how it turns out. Um, And we both ended up with seven to nine. So uh, they were kind of just in the middle of we need space. But um, yeah, I really liked having that little additional like gotcha at the end, but also adding that pressure to the whole game, the weight to the whole game. Yeah, just, like, off the top of my head, like, it seems like a very good mechanic, not just for, like, the the gotcha, but also <laughs> for, like, ordering your thoughts about the situation. Like, uh, it can give you feedback on how you think the other player has the other character has been acting so far. I mm-hmm. actually really like that as a, not an optional mo- mechanic, but like a less concrete mechanic. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, especially if you get ranked poorly in your first round, because obviously uh, this game is very different experience for most people uh, who are you know most familiar with like D and D, Pathfinder, other crunchy games. This is very role play heavy um, and very mechanics light, and so um, it might be kind of a wake up call if the other person ranks you negatively, especially if you go into the game wanting to work it out. Um, I think it it's a it's an additional level of communication to what you already have. It's a conversation aside from the conversation you're having, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that there were a number of safety tools. Uh, Could you go over what sort of uh, safety tools you have? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, right in the middle, um, I'm, I'm friends with Kiana Shaw and Lauren Bryant Monk, who wrote, uh, co-wrote the TTRPG safety toolkit. Um, And they've made that accessible for people who are designing games to include, um, to help kind of guide safety, especially for people who aren't familiar with that. And uh, picking up the pieces specifically uses lines and veils, XNO cards, and breaks. Those are the three recommended, especially breaks is really recommended for picking up the pieces. So uh, lines and veils um, are basically... um, a list of topics that you set up ahead of time with your partner um, that you are either willing to um, look at, but not too closely. You don't want to spotlight those moments. So veils are things um, that you fade to black on. So like sexual intimacy in like a movie that's rated PG-13 or whatever, that would be you, you cut away, you fade to black. So we know it's happening. It's allowed in the game. The content's there, but you don't, you don't spotlight it. Um, Other things, um, you know, might be extensive or like drug use, that kind of thing. Some people are okay with that being in their game, but they don't want to see it, right? Um, The underlying context is enough. 
And then um, lines are things that cannot exist in the game. So uh, like homophobia, racism, child abuse, they say, we don't want this in our game. And you put it on a document that you share between you. And it just means this will not enter our game under any circumstances. And that's just a really base, like a uh, baseline way to co- like communicate with your partner and decide ahead of time what you do and don't want in your game. Um, I've also seen people add in like a requests where we do want to see like fraught relationships or like issues, um, with, you know, best friends or like cheating and that kind of thing. You can say like, I'm interested in kind of exploring that part of a relationship, even if it's hard, we both agree that we want to see that. Um, so that's the first one. And I highly recommend anybody who's not using lines and veils in your games to go look that up and use them because they are amazing. They're lifesavers, uh, especially if people are intimately familiar with their own triggers. You could just put that on the lines and it won't ever come up. Um, X edit O cards are in the moment safety tools. So lines and veils you set up prior, X and O cards you use um, while the game is happening. Uh, the O card is the you might be crying, I might be crying, but we love it, right? We're hurting each other in character, but we th- we're thriving on this uh, this role play. And so you just like hold up an O like you uh, with your fingers, or you can, if you have an O card between you, you can tap it, you can say O, um, and that means we want more. We're happy pushing into this hard spot. We love it. It's just a way to check in too. Um, I use it all the time in my games. You just say O question mark, and everybody just responds O if we're all doing okay. N is we are getting into territory that um, might be a line. We might need to add it to this doc or it might be an X card, um, meaning I don't want it in the game. N is to kind of signify I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable. I'm okay to push forward for now or maybe we fade to black on this, um, but just to kind of alert the your partner that you're feeling uncomfortable. And then X card is, I don't want this content in the game. If they say something or you say something that you are immediately uncomfortable with, you just say X, make an X with your hands, tap an X card, um, and let that person know that we need to rewind and do that scene a different way. Um, And that's a really good um, tool. If a trigger that wasn't on your lines or veils comes up, you can just exit and no explanation necessary. We all just, we know what that means. We rewind and we do it again in a way that everybody's comfortable with. And then breaks is exactly what it sounds like. You just take five minutes away from the game, get up, get some water, stretch your legs, uh, take a take a second just to breathe, especially in a game like picking up the pieces where it can become argumentative or really heated. You can take a break from the game check in with your partner, say, hey, how are you doing? Are we feeling comfortable? Uh, There is a place in the game where you can stop the game at any time um, and go directly to ending option two, which is where you just decide what you want for your characters. Um, And so breaks are just a great way to kind of check in and it's recommended doing it after every cycle of play. So after every piece you pick up, you're, um, you know, encouraged to take a step back from the game. And then there are, um, there's consent kind of uh, throughout um, the game, just reminding you that consent can be withdrawn at any time. You're consenting to this conversation. You can end that at any time, especially in a convert, like in a conversation so heated, right? And so like heavy. 
I really wanted to remind people that you have an out. This is just a game. You can always step away. You're not obligated to complete this game. Um, and big shout out to Lauren Bryant Monk, who was the co-writer of the safety toolkit for being my safety editor and helping me make sure that everything was, you know, as safe as it could be in such a heavy game. Awesome. That's some really important stuff. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so as part of the rules, uh, characters don't discuss the final event that drove them apart. Uh, yeah. How do you think this affects play? stepping around this big thing that was part of the relationship. Yeah, it's it's a build up, right? It's it's kind of there's there's a couple of levels to it that I like to imagine and the main one is you don't really want to talk about it. You don't really want to look at it yet. You know, you're seeing this person, that's the last time you saw them. That's the last conversation you had with them. Um, until you decided to come together and talk about it. And it's it's kind of you're skirting around the elephant in the room. And it's this big thing that's weighing on you. And from a from a meta standpoint, you might not know what that thing is yet. The game encourages you to play without knowing anything about your character. Of course, you can come into it with, um, you know, preconceived ideas of characters or characters that you've been playing for a long time. Um, I've done that. I've had uh, playtesters do that, bring in old characters to just kind of see what happened. Um, But you can play the game not knowing anything about each other and you make it up as you go. So on a meta level, you might not decide what that big moment or what that final, the final straw was until you get to that part of the game. But in a, in character, um, on an in-character level, you are purposefully not looking at it, purposely not talking about it, because that was the thing that was too painful to really to touch on right at the beginning. You have to work your way up to it. And it is the last thing that you talk about in the game. After you've picked up all of your pieces, you you finally say, let's talk about this, this moment, what actually happened, why we called it quits. Um, and I think that it at least for me, it really did have a a big impact on the way I was playing because I knew that I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk about it too soon. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to really even allude to it. And I get super, super in character. So I could f- feel that weight of it, like looming over me that I knew we were going to have to talk about it, but like, not yet, not yet, not yet until it's, it's all you have left to say. It's the only thing left to talk about. Um, and I really, I really kind of like the build up to that moment and deciding what that moment was together and, and laying out exactly what went wrong. What was the final, you know, the final thing that, that drove you apart. And at the time you thought it was driving you apart forever. Like that's how big it was. And, um, I think having that at the end gives you some serious time to consider, your character and the other person's character and like what that could be. Yeah. Letting that, well, like formulate across the game seems like Mm. a really interesting sort of like mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I really like having that to be the final thing you talk about too. And especially if you don't know what it is, right? Cause you go the whole game, like wondering what it was and then you finally get to dig into it together and, um, as somebody who's a huge meta gamer, I love talking about, <laughs> I love stopping and saying, okay, what does this look like? What is this moment? 
um, and both being like, yep, that would have broken us up. Like, that's probably why I would never want to see you or speak to you again at the time, you know? Uh, so I love having that build up. Yeah. So uh, another question from Eric. Uh, this debate that pops up from time to time in the tabletop RPG community about the importance of adhering to the rule set. What's mm. your opinion on this matter? And do you have any gut reactions to the ideas of players adding house rules to your game? I love it. <laughs> I, I, um, I love, there are some games that I love playing rules as written and I just, I have a lot of respect for adhering to those rules. And, um, but I think that that is me looking for a very specific type of gameplay, right? And there are a lot of games that do something really, really well, but you want to just add on like a little bit of extra. You want it to just do this other thing too. And so that's why people homebrew, right? Because the game does one thing really, and this is like D&D exactly. People have to homebrew the crap out of that game because it does smashing and killing really well, but it doesn't do a lot of other things. And so you homebrew to kind of compensate for that. And so I think probably my first thing would be if you're looking to make like minor changes to a game, firstly, there are so many games that suit the exact experience that you're looking for. My gut reaction is always to try and find that game um, that is going to do the thing that I want it to do. Um, not that there's anything wrong with homebrewing, but probably if you're going to homebrew a game, there's a game that already exists out there that does exactly what you want it to better than you could homebrew it. No offense. Um but at the same time, if somebody wants to hack picking up the pieces to change it to do something that they're looking for, I'm not going to say boo. Like, I would love to see, um, you know, if that happens with my game, I would love to see how those turn out. I would love to see just exactly, um, you know, what they were missing or what they were looking for that they didn't get that they wanted to add in. Um so yeah, I'm all about it. I love homebrew, but I'm on both sides, obviously. Um, I love playing rules as written for so many games. I love homebrewing. I love coming up with homebrew stuff for you know a wide variety of systems. I love writing custom moves um, for the PBTA games that I run. Um, but at the same time, I know that there are games out there that do exactly what I'm looking for way better than I can do it. Uh, so my... I guess my gut reaction would be look for the game that you're looking for rather than hacking one that's right in front of you. Um, but if you're just looking to make a little minor change, go for it. Cool. Uh, along the line of rules, mm. when do you stop designing a game and decide when it's finished? And, <laughs> and I've got an and, mm -hmm. uh, were there any features or, mechanics in picking up the pieces that you decided to leave out of the final piece? Mm. Well, it's never going to be really done, right? I I spoke to um, Jax. Uh, I, her um, Twitter username is RuffleJax um, the other week, and she basically said, you know, there's never a final draft there's just the draft that you decide to release. Um, and that hits me to the core. You just, you kind of just have to stop. You get to a point where you're going to overdo it, right? You don't want to get to a point where you're nitpicking and nitpicking and nitpicking and it 
becomes something that it's not anymore. It kind of gets beyond you and gets out of um, out of your hands. Um, and that's kind of um, what I wanted to steer clear from. So as soon as I kind of felt like I had a finished game, I had my editor look at it and I said, please tell me if there's anything left to do. <laughs> I was like, spell check this. Am I done? And they were like, you're done. Release it. Like release it before you look at it again, (laughs) before I look at it for too long. Um, And that's kind of what I did. Um, And so, yeah, that's, that's really complicated. (laughs) It's a hard question, but it's one we all have to decide at some point this is done or as done as it will ever be. Um, And then mechanics that I decided to, to leave out. Um, Oh man, this was hard. Not really. I basically, instead of leaving mechanics out, kind of put more in. Um, But a mechanic that was very close to not making the cut, and I finally just kind of like was like, no, I want this in the game. I'm putting it in, was the three minutes of eye contact, which is really long. Just if you've never made direct eye contact with someone for three whole minutes, very long time. Um, But I had been reading studies about how... um, one or two minutes of eye contact isn't really enough to establish a deeper sense of intimacy between most people. Um, and it, you hit the sweet spot right between three and five minutes. And I thought three was being, <laughs> was, was the easiest, <laughs> obviously five minutes, uh, nearly doubling that length is, is pretty intense, but, um, that nearly didn't make it. There are eye contact variants, uh, for people, uh, where eye contact is either not possible or, you know, disturbingly uncomfortable. I know that's, uh, you know, a lot of people have eye contact aversion. Um, so there are alternates at the end of the game. Um, but I wanted a mechanic, not e- I mean, it's, it's just a way to establish intimacy with your partner and vulnerability and it's supposed to be uncomfortable, um, in the way that you're opening yourself up in this moment of silence to your partner, both like in and out of character, Um, and just kind of connecting in that moment and you're encouraged to think on how they hurt you and remind yourself that you came here for a reason and you want to have this conversation and so it nearly it nearly didn't make it in but it did so uh, that was the closest I got to, to cutting anything but really picking up the pieces I felt like I just kept kind of adding more stuff in uh rather than taking stuff out okay uh, do you think there is a wrong way to play this game? No. I I think the only way that you could miss the point is if you held back. I think that if you don't open yourself up to those those vulnerable, hard feelings and topics, you're missing the point of the game. Um being honest, both in and out of character, fully opening up to that communication, that conversation with your partner, and leaning into it, leaning into those feelings where you disagree. Because I think um, a lot of us, especially as streamers or podcasters, um, you learn to be quiet while other people are talking. Um, You learn to sit back and wait for them to finish. And that's not what this game is about. This game is about having a conversation, not in a performative way, but in a a person-to-person way where you're going to interrupt each other. You're going to disagree. Things are going to get hard. Um, You know, they're going to ask you for something that you can't give them. Uh, I had a really great play test where, um, you know, they said, 
I want you to move in with me. And it was just a flat, I can't do that. I can't give that to you. And I loved that emotion and like how, how raw the request of like, how can we fix this? Well, you have to move in with me to fix it. And they said, I can't, which means you can't fix it. And I think if you're not being open, honest, vulnerable, and passionate about this, this conversation that you're having, because you loved this person and you want it to work out, um, then you're, then you're really doing yourself a disservice. It's not that you can't play the game or enjoy it that way, but I think you're going to really miss the, the heart of what the game is. Awesome. That's some really incredible stuff. Like just emotions don't understanding my own emotions doesn't come very well Mm. to me. Yeah. Which is part of the reason why I chose to do an interview instead of playing with someone. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, that all is really powerful stuff. Thank you. Yeah, it was, it's definitely, I think is going to always be one of my favorite things that I've ever written. Um, Obviously, I can't (laughs) look into the future and know for sure, but I'm really proud of the atmosphere the tone um, and the feelings that the game kind of demands you look at. Um, and yeah, I anybody who is really into, uh, especially two-player games, but really into looking at those hard and intimate moments with um, a partner, I highly recommend you find somebody you absolutely trust and uh, give this game a go. And I would love to hear about it if you do. Yeah. So... As we've been talking for some 50 minutes now, <laughs> I gather that the audience has picked up that this is kind of a heavy game, but yeah. <laughs> do you imagine maybe some sort of a lighter scenario taking place? In this game? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I actually had, um, I, I wouldn't say it was light, um, but I did have some playtesters who played siblings. Um, they played sisters. And I would say that out of all of the games that I've heard, it was super, there was no conflict. And I'm not saying that as a bad thing. They they heard each other. They understood each other. They were willing to fix things. And they came out and they were like, yeah, we can do this. Like at, at the very end when they decided what they wanted to do, they, they didn't want to roll. They just said, yeah, we're sisters. We can get through this. We can make this work. And it was really sweet and there was a lot of understanding uh, because in their game, there was a lot of, there was a lot of like missed opportunity where they clearly were um, too young or too inexperienced to fully understand each other. And their game was really powerful and really sweet. Um, And they were like, yep, we got this. And then they kind of did like a little epilogue where, you know, uh, one sister invited the other um, to their graduation. And it was just like really cute and, um, very heartwarming, even though I'm not saying like they had hard moments where they really went at it. Um, but I think that you can absolutely have a lighter experience, especially, um, I haven't seen this, but I would love to see this, uh, where you split ways over petty, petty drama, um, like something that didn't matter, but you both in that moment were like, I'm never speaking to you again kind of situation, like very high school kind of drama. I would love to see that um, because I think it could, I think this game could honestly be pretty silly (laughs) if you played it that way. Um, But obviously that's not the (laughs) mood I was going for when I wrote it, but I definitely think that you could have a very lighthearted experience um, if you play just two goofy characters who overreact 
and are very dramatic and very passionate about their feelings while still fully um, engaging with all of the mechanics that are there, especially the interruption ones. I would love to see that. Yeah, that that seems like an interesting concept for such a heavy game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, Summer, I'd just like to thank you for coming on the show. Yes, thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much. I've just got one last question from Eric. Mm -hmm. Yes. If you could travel back in time to watch one person sneeze, who would it be? Oh my god. That's such a good question. Um who would it be? Who would it be? Who would it be? I honestly would love <laughs> so weird. I would love to see Marilyn Monroe sneeze. Like a legit <laughs> sneeze, not an on-screen sneeze. Um because I think that that would be just a treasure. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Awesome. So thank you for listening to this episode of Strangers Fiction. We are an audio entropy podcast. And if you like what we're doing here, you can go to audioentropy.com and click the donate button. Money you give us there just goes to keeping the site online and paying the hosting fees. Summer, where can we find you and your game picking up the pieces? Yeah, um, you can find me pretty much everywhere at Just a Summer Job. Um, that's where I am on Twitter and itch. Um, if you just go to itch.io, oh, I guess it's it's just a summer job.itch.io. Um, but you can check out picking up the pieces. Uh, I I've been retweeting it pretty consistently on my Twitter. Um, I do have community copies available for people who cannot afford it. Um, and currently, let me look this up really quick. Uh, currently, if you go to um, itch.io um, and you look up bundle for racial justice and equality, there is a bundle that is out right now that has 742 games and more games being added. Knowing you and picking up the pieces um, are there. The entire bundle, which is normally worth over $3,000, you can get it for $5. Um, and currently all of the proceeds are going to the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund and the Community Bail Fund um, split right down the middle. As of today, they've raised over $1,200,000. Uh, so both of these games, which would normally be $12 on itch, you can get them and over 700 other games for $5. Uh, so yeah, I highly recommend you go check that out and get some other games while you're at it. Yeah, I just picked that up yesterday and it's jam-packed. Yes, yeah. it is. So many good games by so many amazing designers. Yeah, so I can be found on Twitter at whatiscosplay and at patreon.com slash Cassidy Winter, where you can get access to episodes as soon as I'm finished editing them for just a dollar a month. Uh, at $5, you'll receive a shout out at the end of the episode. And you can also commission me to write stuff, including short stories and fan fiction at co-fee.com slash uh, so, Summer, would you like to help me come up with a sign-off for this episode? Oh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, what a normal sign-off sound like? Oh, just something relating to the episode. I guess my sign-off would be... Mm, be open, be honest. All right, uh... 
pick up the pieces and build a Lego house. Be honest, how many times have you heard that pun? I haven't heard it yet, but that's so good. Woo! Awesome. <laughs>